boys, bad boys, what you gonna, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when the rivals come for you? Welcome back to a tale of two rivals plus one. Who am I joined by? Uh, well, I guess a bad boy over here in uh, FF underscore Spaceman, Dave Wright. And everyone knows what I'm going to say right here. I'm happy to be here, happy to be talking to my buddies Todd and Sean, and I'm happy to be hanging out with everybody. So let's do this on a tale of two rivals. Who else is here? Yeah, you got FF underscore Walrus coming at you. Happy to be back in the mix. It feels like a while since we've recorded. I know we're on an off day, but it feels like even longer. So glad to be throwing down some content with you fine gentlemen. I am thrilled to be back. Gentlemen, I've been pretty active in the fantasy world over the last uh, week or so. It's been a good fantasy time for me this month. That Todd Foster is a big deal. We just wrapped up the draft for the Autism Invitational with the IDP guys, which is obviously part of the network that Dynasty Football Digest is with, and that's who I write for. And Rate My League rated all 96 teams in our Invitational. And I came out as the number sixth overall team in the ratings, and I was ranked number four for IDP with all those guys from the IDP guys in there. So daddy's legit. Let me tell you. <laughs> Do you remember when I was in the top 20% of the uh, Scott Fishbowl nine things and I finished in the bottom 20%. So careful there, big fella. Hey, 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 I'm fine with this. This is a victory for me, depending on how badly I get beat down in this thing later. I think we need to respect the lengths that Dave just went to, to sully himself in order to try and bring you down, Todd. That was very impressive, Dave. Yeah, it really was. It really was. That's why I tried to not completely backpedal. I had to backpedal a little bit there. I'm in the same division with at Joey the Tooth. Phenomenal guy, but I'm going to beat him down in this division and take the crown. It's been a good time. Been a lot of talk. Yeah, man, no, it's great. I got the Invitational shirt. It's absolute fire. Anybody who gets their shirt has to get from the same division round. Super excited. I'm going to be dropping some Trash Talks videos of that later. And we just wrapped up the Teacher Charity Tournament that was organized by AWL Cybermetrics. And it includes a host of fantastic educators. And we raised $1,500 for at No Kid Hungry. And I'm thrilled by it. And my big contribution was getting 50 bucks to draft Taysom Hill in the first round. And who won that bid, gentlemen? All I know is, Todd, everything you're going to say about late round QB is a lie because you went early <laughs> round QB in the teacher invitational. Yeah. So you guys put 50 bucks down and had me take Taysom Hill with the 110. We never said we did. I think we all can just acknowledge that it was probably some very forward thinking individuals. Yes, you too. <laughs> well, well, thank you, Todd. I, I didn't realize you thought we were forward-thinking individuals. Yes. I know some of the other guys in our home week, Sad, j Jared, they all threw down too. I really appreciated it. I think I put together a pretty good squad with Taysom Hill as my QB1, and he has no tight end eligibility, which drives me absolutely insane. I was thrilled to be part of both of those. One raised a lot of money for Autism Speaks, and one raised a lot of money for At No Kid Hungry, while I get to play some fantasy football. So, um, And on top of that, I coach Unified Basketball, and our school just got recognized as a National Unified Champion by Special Olympics. Hats off, sir. That's pretty amazing, man. Well done, Todd. Here, here. Fantastic. It's been a great couple of weeks, man. Just a lot of positive things, which is, uh, in a very difficult time, a lot of positivity I've been pretty excited about, for sure, gents. So thanks for letting me have a little bit of moment to share that with the world. David, do you have some stuff you wanted to say? Yeah, thank you, Todd. I just wanted to take a minute and be a little more serious than we're used to on the podcast here. But as you and Sean know, 
my wife Quinn and I, we experienced a late-term miscarriage at the beginning of the pandemic, and that was a really difficult time for us. And the reason why I bring this up now is because Monday was supposed to be our due date, and it's going to be a really tough day for us. Um, and actually, this this whole time has been pretty difficult for us because my wife's undergone three different surgeries slash procedures. Uh, I wasn't able to accompany her to the doctor's office or to surgeries, um, to the hospital. So it's been pretty challenging for both of us. We haven't been able to hug our parents or see our parents very much. And so it's been really trying. And the reason why I bring this up is because the fantasy community has given me a great outlet that has been extremely appreciated. And especially you and Sean, Todd, have the podcast has been a great therapy session for me. But there's tons of people in this community who have reached out to me or interacted with me. Um, and they know who they are, but I just want to say thank you. Um, and without fantasy, I'm not sure, you know, how to make it through all of this because it's been tough and I don't want to be a Debbie down or anything. I just wanted to communicate how appreciative and just how special a lot of these relationships have been for me. And, you know, the happy night crew, you guys are awesome. It's been like a therapy session throughout this whole thing. So I, I thank you to everybody and just the fancy community in general because there's a lot of great people there. So, And also, too, I should shout out my wife who has been through an incredible amount. And I'd marry her tomorrow if I had another chance. So, yeah, let's get back to the banter, guys. We're always here for you, Dave. Glad and we'll to have bear, you here, buddy. Yeah, and we'll bear all your bad takes along the way, you know? We're here for you, pal. Always. Sean. What's going on with you, buddy? Not a lot. Currently in quarantine. That's less than stellar. It's only been about two hours, and it's already a lot. But this is a chosen quarantine, correct? It, well, yeah, it's sort of chosen. It's doctor-ordered, but preemptive. Preemptive, so nobody's sick, which is good. I got finished watching The Peanut Butter Falcon with big fan of the show, Shia LaBeouf. Headline. Unbelievable, dude. Fantastic movie. I don't know that movie. Oh, Dave, you would love it. It's fantastic. Highly recommend. All right. So, gentlemen, question of the day, Sean. What are we thinking? Yeah, so to uh, get those brain nerves working, we're going to tickle them with the question of the day. And the question of the day is, what is the most overrated food and why? What's something other people just drool for, can't get enough of, and you sit there being like, I don't get it. What's the big deal? So for me, and the Christmas story, when the father's a turkey like fanatic, I don't get it. What's the big deal about turkey? It's a slightly better chicken. I do enjoy turkey, and I will smoke a turkey breast at some point in the future. But the hype is out of control. It's also wildly inconsistent from place to place where you get it. And can we please pivot away from turkey and get some prime rib roast up in the Thanksgiving traditions? They didn't even actually eat that at Thanksgiving, so we're just picking something arbitrarily anyways. Typical Todd argument here. With a straw man, he picks a fictional character, the dad from Christmas Story, to say turkey's high up on people's rankings? Who has turkey high up in their rankings? Come on. It has a whole holiday. How is that not high up on the, high up on the rankings? I think if you asked five people on the street what their three favorite meats are, nobody's coming back with turkey. Bull. Bull. People love Thanksgiving. All right. 
This, this is a Twitter poll. This is a Twitter poll. This is one. I love Thanksgiving, Todd. You know, I'm not a big fan of turkey, but I do enjoy the tradition, Todd. Todd, the thing with tradition is I like Christmas, too. I enjoy having a Christmas tree up, but I don't think it's actually a good decoration to have all year round. Same thing with turkey. I enjoy eating turkey on Thanksgiving. I don't want to eat turkey any other time of year. I'm sorry, man. If you go to a lot of different places, turkey dinner's always a choice on the menu. It's always something that my dad always craved. There was always so much type around hurt turkey. He had turkey breasts in my house all the time. It is an overrated meat. I would take any pork or beef product over turkey. Save this for our annual, our new annual airing of grievances during Festivus time, Todd. This sounds like something you have to talk about with your dad. Oh, Festivus time is going to be so sweet. 100% we got to talk about it. I, You know what? I host Thanksgiving. We're having a prime rib roast. Joanne <laughs> doesn't even know this yet, but we are. We actually have a roast every year too, Todd. We, we have a turkey and either a beef and a pork roast too. I enjoy tradition, but I also like good meat too. Okay, it's going down. I, I was selling. I think I'm buying. I'm with it. I'm going to end up hosting a Thanksgiving in the near future, and I'm going to pivot away from the turkey, I think. Yes! The wife and I will be serving some alternative. We are going to start the movement. I do like dark meat turkey. Tart- See, dark meat turkey is good, but the problem is there's not nothing. Yeah. It's gross. It's absolutely gross. You don't like dark meat? Dark meat turkey? No. Oh you my just God. prefer white, bland breast meat? Dark turkey meat is disgusting. It is Gosh, so much more moist and tender and delicious. No wonder he doesn't like turkey, Sean. This is the problem. I retract my buying of Todd's point because it is built on such a house of oh. cards that I cannot be a party Typical to Typical Foster argument. Terrible. This is terrible. Okay, Sean, what's, what's your food that's overrated? Oh, it's, it's easy. It's lobster. Hands down. Terrible. Yes, Todd. Thank you. It is terrible. It has zero versatility. You can't do anything with it. What do you do? You just smather it in a ridiculous artery-clogging amount of butter. My wife ate a lobster the other day, and the only reason why she told me she wanted a lobster was so that it could be the delivery for her to shamelessly eat half a stick of butter. That's all it's good for. What do you do then? You add it to some mac and cheese. You add it to a salad. It basically just becomes a topping at that point. It's a condiment. It's nothing. It's just a throw-in that costs a ridiculous amount of money. And historically, people used to sign agreements that said, if I work for you on your estate or wherever, you can't feed me more than three lobsters a week because it's garbage. It's a bottom feeder that feeds on trash and it has no flavor at all. And it's a pain to operate. I I have so many things to say, but one of us is for Maine. Go ahead, Dave. Sean, just because you're miserable living in New Hampshire doesn't mean you can take down one of Maine's leading products. It's a delicacy. I'm not, you don't have to eat lobster all year round. It's not a staple, Sean. It's a, an experience, it's a, a communal family time that you're all having, you're all throwing the lobsters. Oh, it's just a great time, man. And the disrespect you're giving, I enjoy the process of cracking. I like the sounds of cracking. It reminds me of growing up in Maine, Todd and Sean. And we used to have lobster races growing up. There's a lot, which seems a little barbaric now before we cooked them. That being said, uh, <laughs> uh, you won. You die first. Yep. So <laughs> it seems worth noting that 90% of your argument was based just on nostalgia and not at all on the food itself. Well, let's, put, let's talk about the food itself. Let's talk about a lobster roll. A lobster roll is phenomenal. Maybe a little scallion, maybe a little seasoning. And on a New England style hot dog bun, it is delicious. A little bit of season. That needs to be dressed up more than somebody going to the prom. Oh my goodness, where are you getting your lobster In roll In New Hampshire, from? that's they, where he's getting it from. Not. 
Yeah, you do not need to dress up a lobster roll. I can see Maine from my backyard. I've had many a Maine lobster roll. There is no difference in quality, despite the difference in quality of state in which they're coming from. Mm, 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 debatable. I cannot disagree more. Lobster is one of my favorite foods. I am a nut for it. And the fact that you're saying it has no versatility, because it doesn't need versatility. It has phenomenal flavor, and you just need a little bit of butter. If you're sticking your entire piece into butter and just letting it drown there, you're taking away the actual flavor of the lobster. I do not, sir, think you have a refined palate if that's how you're going to approach your lobster. All right. The man from Maine, David. Overrated foods. Go. This has been a thing of mine for a while, but it's condiments. I cannot stand condiments. I don't like the texture of condiments. It just throws me off. I don't enjoy it. But on top of that, why are people eating foods that need condiments to be good? If it's not good enough without a condiment, why are you eating it? Get it out of here. Condiments, no thank you. Most overrated food. Done. Such a weak take. You call mine like a straw man's argument? You didn't even pick a food. It's got calories. It's got calories, Todd. It's a food. So does sand. (laughs) This is so bad. All condiments are overrated. Terrible. Dave, condiments are there to highlight, to exfoliate the nuances of the food that you're eating. Yeah, it's it's an accessory. It seems worth noting that Dave was attacking the refineness of my palate, but clearly has none of his own. I just like a, I just like the original, the wholesome taste of the food I'm eating. I don't want or vinegar on my fries. I don't want uh, ketchup on my burger when I can just ha- enjoy the natural taste of the hamburger, the cheese, the bun, the lettuce, the tomato. I don't need that. Give me just the natural taste and get your steak sauce out of here and your must mustard is disgusting. Ugh, get my, get done. Uh, oh, I've never hated you more, Dave. Spicy mustard is like a gift from above. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Okay, Dave, so mayo's out? Oh God, I, I, I spit it. I would might fight over someone over mayo. Have you ever seen Undercru- Undercover Brother? That's how I imagine Dave reacting to mayo. I couldn't make it through the movie because of the mayo. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. I'll actually give you the whole thing with steak sauce. I don't think steak sauce is necessary. Yeah, it shouldn't be. So apply st- the argument with steak sauce and put it to all the other foods because that's how it works. You, d- you don't eat salsa or guacamole? No, I-, I don't like the texture of salsa. You're a cereal killer. <laughs> you have heads in your basement. <laughs> <laughs> I do like, I do like. Do you eat tomatoes? Tabbouleh. Yes, I like tomatoes. That, that's all salsa is. <laughs> that's all tabbouleh is. Tabbouleh is pine nuts <laughs> and parsley and tomatoes. I can't control what I like. And I it's a like. condiment. I can't control what I like and I don't like. And it's not a condiment. It's a dip. There's a difference between dips and condiments. Trust me, I went, I, I actually prepared for this. I did like 20 minutes of research and I let all the What's condiments. the difference? What's the difference? I don't think we have the time to get into this. <laughs> all right. Dave is a psychopath and we will continue this conversation post episode because I'm blown away right now. All right. From the newsroom, news alert. What to do with this Washington football team running back room? So we all know the news about Geis. Absolutely just going to move on from him, and he will no longer be a topic on this show. Is anyone going anywhere near this thing? Are any of you guys buying Gibson? He's currently looking around like the 11th round pick, but he's rising. How high are you guys willing to take him or taking any other players on there? 
What about you, Sean? You interested in any of these uh, running backs? No. Um, short of just a last round pick, they're sitting there. I'll take him over a long shot, rookie wide receiver or something. But, you know, Gibson's already creeped up like four or five rounds in ADP. He might even creep up like three or four more because that, that jump that you find from like Ronald Jones on gets pretty speculative. And you got people who are betting between Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, people who are taking Tevin Coleman, guessing at his role and the 49ers. And I think you're going to see people are going to start to think that Gibson is more of a sure thing than that. And I don't think he is, but I think they're going to get caught up in his tape, which is really good. Yep. Draft capital, which is fine. It's not really anything to write home about, but there's not a lot else there standing in his way when you only consider those two things. I think when you're considering new coaching staff, you're talking about guys that they brought in. There's just way too much going on for a team that's going to probably produce lackluster results anyway. You know, you're going to speculate and fight and take a decent round shot on a guy who they might just roll with AP. And they have Peyton Barber and they have JD McKinnon. They have a ton of other people that aren't notable either. And I don't think this is going to be a cream rises to the top. I think this is just going to be everybody curdles and floats flaccidly around and you don't want any part of it. Fair enough. What about you, Dave? Gibson seems like your kind of guy. That's funny you say that, Todd. Before we get into Gibson, I just want to say a quick shout out to Ron Rivera. Uh, You guys know that I've been a pretty big fan of his throughout the years. Riverboat Ron. And he just got diagnosed with a can- early stage of cancer, and I just hope he has a speedy recovery and everything. So I, I'm, I know he's a big fan of Tale Two Rivals. So I just wanted to do a quick shout out. Big fan of the show. So yeah, him, but, him and Shia, him and Shia LaBeouf, good friends of the show. Yeah, they probably listen to it together, but uh, yeah, no, but I, I do. But seriously though, <laughs> uh, Ron, <laughs> but, but no, in all seriousness though, I do hope uh, Ron Rivera has a speedy recovery and beats cancer. So go get it, Ron. But as far as the Washington running back situation. I'm out on Gibson, and as, as Todd alluded to, he does feel like a player that I would have been in on four or five years ago, maybe even two or three years ago. Or last year. He has great size, <laughs> draft capital, athletic, dynamic, and potential upside, and he's not being taken that high. He's got a decent ADP, so he's attainable. That seems like my kind of guy, but I've, I, this is me telling you I've grown. I, I feel like I've matured, <laughs> and I'm not going to give Todd a lot of credit here, but I'll just say him nagging me for all these years might have helped. Sean, you probably have helped a little bit too, but I just want to, you know, uh, share with you guys about my growth and not being on Gibson. It's just, and I've, we've mentioned on the show before, but I just don't buy the David Johnson, CMC, or Austin Eckler comps because those players handled a large workload in college. Gibson did not. Even when he was playing, I think it was Juco or a small college, I forget what it is. He didn't have a ton of workload. He was very explosive. His touches seemed capped to me. And as a rookie, I'm not ready to make that bet. Because I want to have to see it first. Yeah, if he shows us something this year, sure, I'll invest in the future. But I don't want to take that risk this year, especially in redraft. I'll put my chips somewhere else. Even though our good friend Scott Connor at Charles FFB made a good cause in our Zoom rookie Zoom draft. He did a video about Gibson and a lot of great arguments. I just, I'm just not, I'm not ready to do it. As far as AP is concerned, I'll happily take him as RB50 price on Fantasy pros, he's going in the 11th round. I think that's a, a great place to take him because his metrics and his ability to break tackles and breakaway runs was still evident last year. He had very good in those metrics. So yes, I'm still on AB at his, or AP at his price. And guys, Bryce Love. Sean, I thought you were a big Bryce Love guy. He's been getting a, a lot of hype recently uh, because Peterson's been sidelined and he's been getting a lot of the first team reps. Rivera was extremely glowing about him, praising Love. More than just a typical coach speak, he mentioned his receiving ability and how much he how impressed he was and how his recovery is going. 
I wasn't high on him coming out because of his injuries, and also I didn't think he had that great of a receiving workload. But Love is getting a lot of hype here, so I don't know what to. I, I'm out on him, but maybe it's because of my past bias, biases. I don't know. I was I was all in. I wish he had come out after his junior year. Same. And I saw Dave, you you made the same note there in the show doc um, because that just that season he strung together there was unreal. Yeah, no, he was fun to watch that time. And I think you know before he went back, and of course he had the devastating injury. I don't. He wasn't the same player. You know, he was showing all kinds of signs of inconsistency, and it just seemed like he didn't have that same spark. It just, yeah. it's just something. Again, I I don't want a part of because even if I'm all in on love, that means you have to be all in on the Washington line, on people respecting them as a downfield passing team and not loading up the box. And you know, besides Terry McLaurin, what does that mean? You're betting on Stephen Sims. You're betting on Candy Goldman. You're betting on Haskins taking that next step as a sophomore or Alex Smith coming back, which hats off to him for even being able to come back. Even if I was still a big love fan, I would be at best tentatively in, in lukewarm and still wouldn't want a part of anybody in that room until the end of the draft. Yeah, that was like a really long way of saying you're tentative because Washington's an absolute dumpster fire. (laughs) Yes, they are. (laughs) So long story short, dynasty wise, there's two guys I might be interested in Washington at all. Obviously McLaurin and Gandy Golden is just my guy. Like I've like he was my guy and he's cheap. It wouldn't take a lot to go get him. Other than that, I'm out. There's no desire for any of these running backs from Dynasty. From a redraft standpoint, I'll buy AP at the at the right price all day, dude. And I'd consider him to be potentially the lowest possible RB2 you could possibly grab in redraft. Though you're probably looking at him more as like your RB4 where you're getting him in your drafts. But just from the sheer volume he should probably see. And what he's been able to do even later in his career, there's he's going to get touches. And that's enough to matter to bear manage your fourth RB. I would buy in on Gibson if the price was not astronomically too high already, even before the guy's news. I wasn't really super high in him pre-draft. I don't typically invest in teams that are absolutely awful. And now his ADP is just out of control. So I'm completely out on Gibson. AP, if he's dirt cheap, or moving on. That sounded like a really long-winded way of saying you don't want somebody unless they're dirt cheap. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. So, anyways. So, moving on. We're finally at our topic. We're going to be talking about late-round QBs. And J.J. Zacharyson popularized this concept of the late-round QB, and there's extensive data to support that point. However, let's kind of define this a little bit. What does late-round QB actually mean to you? How late would you be willing to go? Let's start with David. After being attacked by friends of the show, uh, Zach Reed and Peter Howard last week with our zero RB analysis, I dove a little deep and I wanted to give everyone the nuts and bolts of the late round QB philosophy. And there's built on three key concepts. And the first concept is replaceability. It's a onesie position like QB. Usable players are on the waiver wire each week. It's a basic supply and demand. If the supply is high and the demand is low, the value decreases. Plus, if the supply is low and the demand is high in other positions that have multiple starters in your starting lineup, like running back and wide receiver, those obviously become more valuable and decrease the value of QBs. And the second tenet is predictability. There is a misguided belief that the top QBs are safe. Since 2000. 11, our ability to predict QB finishes is weaker than predicting top RB and wide receiver finishes. 
on average, the ADP QB1 is finishing around QB17 and averaging 18.5-ish points per game, which isn't giving people the edges that they think they're going to be getting. And every season, low-end QB1s are finishing the top three QBs, and QBs 12 through 14 are finishing as low-end QB1s or higher. So by paying less capital and investing in these QBs, you, you can harvest value at other positions. And if you miss on this late-round QB that you are targeting, the talent is on the waiver wire each week. And that's the third tenet, which is streamability. QBs week-to-week in fantasy football have become very efficient at predicting QB scoring based on matchups like weak defenses or being at home, all kinds of different reasons. So you can pick up a Dwayne Haskins or a Teddy Bridgewater in a juicy matchup, and they can give you top eight QB scoring. J.J. Zacharyson, who I've taken a lot of these tenets of his philosophy late round QB from, and Danny Carter, who we mentioned last week also, and they're leaving the stream. They have been doing this for five years where they've been streaming QBs, and they've been averaging between a QB4 and a QB6 finish from just streaming every single season. So that's what the late round QB strategy is. It's built on three main philosophies that basically devalue the QBs and raise up the other positions. Exactly. Very well said, my friend. And now, to hammer home your point, Mitchell Trubisky, do we think he's a good QB? No. No, he's not. He had five QB1 weeks last year. He finished the QB25, and but he had five weeks where he was, I think he was QB8 or higher. I mean, I would have to go back and check that. Bad QBs can finish QB1s by matchup. So for me, when I'm targeting a QB late, it's after my running back and my wide receivers well develop, which means I'm targeting a QB in the later rounds. So that means my starters, probably more like two death pieces, but at least one death piece for both the wide receiver running back position before I would even consider a QB. And the earliest I would consider a QB would be round nine, though I'm most likely going to be going much later than, than round nine for my QB. So I'll have my list of my later QBs that I feel comfortable about as my QB1. And if I'm in a one QB league, my QB. And what I'll do is it's like, I'll put them in a clump. Like I'm not saying this QB, I'll take over these four running backs. All those QBs are together. I'm watching that group dwindle. So once that gets down to two or three, that's when I'm probably targeting my QB. QB tears are important, Todd. Yep. And that's it. So I'll have my list. And in one QB, this isn't like a quick development. So you just got to pay attention to that. And what values on the table in other positions? For me, late round QBs is I'll have a large list of guys I'll probably be targeting in the double digit rounds that I'm totally fine and I'll look for what running backs or wide receivers are still available in those rounds too. Sean, what about you, man? Yeah, um, I mean, you guys did an awesome job of breaking that down, especially Dave with the tenants and Todd just talking about the tiers. Uh, I think that's huge. You know, that's, that's the way I think it's the best to approach it is just having that earmarked of like, all right, these are the five guys that should go in. For me, it's usually like round 12 or later yep. that I'd want it yep. just, you know, when you get to like the third or the second to last one, that's when you jump. Cause I don't, I don't want to be the first team getting a quarterback. I don't even want to be the fifth team getting a quarterback. Give me that like seven, eight, nine range. Everybody else has made their select. They've taken them high. And that gives you the padding to really try and exploit and mine running back value, wide receiver value, where everybody else is worried about getting caught up in a QB run. Sean, I could not agree more, man. So in the teacher charity league that I just finished, I did go QB early with the first round pick of Taysen Hill. After that, I was able to get four running backs and five wide receivers before I picked my backup QB in the 11th round, which is Tom Brady. The fact that like in the 11th round, I'm looking at Tom Brady, possibly spell Taysom Hill because we know he's going to be a beast when he uh, takes over Drew Brees' job. 
I was really happy about getting Brady with the 11-9 pick, you know, and that was a great late strategy. And Brady's a hot pick right now with all the weapons around him. So that's kind of the sit. That's the exact way that I approached that draft outside of you guys being so kind to giving me Hill with the 109. All right, let's do a little devil's advocate here. So we're talking late round QBs, but for the sake of the argument, what would it take for you to go and draft Mahomes or Jackson? Both are having their ADPs around the second round. So I'll start this one off, and at second round ADP, there's absolutely nothing I would do to draft those guys. There's no way I'm investing in a second round draft pick in a one QB league. If those guys slip to the fourth round, I consider them depending on what's left on the board at running back and who I previously invested in running back in those first three rounds to be a big part in that. And even then, I still might pass. If I were going to go earliest on people, Prescott, Wilson, or Watson in those middle rounds would be a lot more tempting to me, but I would somehow probably resist that as well. What about you, Sean? Yeah, really not interested at all. The only way I'm, I think I'm jumping in and what it would really take is some kind of crisis situation where, you know, I have the pick at the turn. So I had, I had pick one. So now it's coming back to me around end of the second. If they're there, but all in front of them has been running backs and I'm in just this huge tier chasm between, especially the running backs, but also the wide receivers. And, you know, I know that even if I take, Jackson or Mahomes with 212, I can still get a wide receiver or running back piece at 3-1 that I need. I think I'd consider it for a second, but it probably still wouldn't be likely. But if you know it was, hey, you can have Amari Cooper, Leonard Fournette, or Lamar Jackson choose two, part of me would really have to think about Lamar Jackson there just because of the way those tier breaks are falling. But mm-hmm. odd, odds are it's not going to go like that. You know, you'll still have great value to be had at the end of the second, beginning of the third. And for me, it's just it's barely on the radar at all to end up with them. That's fair. What about you, Dave? So guys, I'm not sure if you remember, but last week I mentioned this exactly of like the perfect storm scenario for me to be able to take Jackson. I'm actually not interested in Mahomes at all. I like the floor, the rushing floor, and just that untapped potential upside of Jackson still. Someone would be have to be drafting off of my rankings. It'd be, they'd be, have to be taking every single player that I would want for the first two rounds for me to think about it. And then even when I'm thinking about it, kind of like how Sean was talking about, I'd be like, you know what? If fate really wanted me to have Jackson, I'm going to pass on him, wait for him to come back around to me in the third round, and then that's when I'll look at the stars and see if it's for me. I just want to let you know, Dave, I definitely figured out exactly who your top 17 running backs are <laughs> I mean, as ranked. <laughs> I, like, I, like, I, like, when we have this uh, draft coming up, like, I- I'm ready to screw you, buddy. So <laughs> With that one uh, of one pick, Todd, good, good for you, buddy. <laughs> All right, so uh, QB ADP Bonanza. So back to the point, late round QBs. Who in this draft are you targeting as a late round QB? Why do you want them at that spot? Sean, who's your guy? The first person I'm really considering is Stafford, whose ADP right now is right about the end of the eighth round. That's still a little higher than I like to go, but I love Matty Staff coming into this year. On pace last year for 5,000 yards, 40 touchdowns before he got hurt. Unbelievable. And he's coming back this year locked and loaded with even more. You have Hawkinson in year two. You have Kenny Galladay coming off that huge explosion he had last year. Hopefully a full season of Marvin Jones. You got Todd's boy, Danny Amendola, out there being useless, but at least a distraction. He's beautiful. You have Swift coming out of the backfield. You have... Johnson, maybe to some degree, apparently he's in a brace right now, so probably not, but Swift should be 
phenomenal as a pass catcher, as a safety valve, swing passes, designed routes, whatever he's got. It's going to be beautiful. I don't think Todd agrees with you. He's a tier two player for him. Who is? Swift? Swift, yeah. Todd's a hater. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think DeAndre Swift's the top 12 running back in his rookie year. I apologize. Dave, Dave likes to drink the crazy juice when it comes to the uh, rookie running backs there. Well, Dave, Dave drinks the crazy juice about food, too, so at least it tracks. Hey, this is what happens when we record on Fridays. It's Hot Take Friday. Ooh, <laughs> hot Take Friday. A little sizzle. But, you know, I think this is they're a B-minus team at best playing in a competitive division. Patricia should be fighting for his job. So you're going to have a guy who's in a lot of negative game scripts. It's going to be what last year was before he got hurt. And it's just going to be phenomenal. And he'll have that top QB upside for half the price. And should somebody snipe him in front of me, you know, like Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins, Big Ben, those are all guys that are going like 10 through 12 rounds. That's fantastic. You know, Cousins, he's, he might not have the volume, but he'll have the efficiency. Goff, hopefully that offense gets back on track. His weapons are just fantastic. Big Ben, I mean, same thing, coming back off the injury, but we know what he can do. And if those guys miss out, you know, Phillip Rivers, right at the end of the draft, second to last pick, you can mess with that too. I think he's got <laughs> not top QB upside, but if you're going to be going in in a QB, you know, you're streaming the position, that's what you end up with for the first couple of weeks. Sean's buying that, that fire. Yeah. <laughs> so, But I think worth noting is that, right, for ADP last year, 2019, half of the top 12 QBs failed to deliver. It's going to be the same thing this year. And that's what Dave was talking about at the top of the show when he was breaking down what late round QB means. And it will be these guys like Lamar Jackson went in the 13th round last year. So I think you can't trust ADP. You need to go late round. You have to trust that you can either stream your way in, like you, Todd, illustrated with Mitchie T, having those <laughs> QB1 finishes, and you can just you can find the value here easy because it's a shallow pool. Dave, do you trust ADP? No. So I'm glad Sean said that, but like, don't really trust at the end because I think something that's a little bit flawed in our analysis so far is that I don't really trust ADP when it comes to late round QBs. I don't trust eight QB ADP overall. Because late round QB becomes very league dependent. And when I'm talking about league dependent, for example, last year in our home league, Todd and I drafted Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray in the 11th round back to back. That was not their ADP. That value fell to us. I don't really care about ADP, like what round a QB is going in, like Matthew Stafford's in the 8th. I'd be surprised if Matthew Stafford's going in the 8th round, honestly. But I care more about how QBs fall positionally in ADP, like how many quarterbacks are going, because... Once 10 QBs are off the board, I'm like, oh, well, there's not really much threat for someone else to take QB. And then if someone takes two QBs, I just think, okay, that's great news for me because I have a million different late round QB targets. Exactly. Going back to this is what I'm looking and how I'm approaching QB and late round QB is I'm looking for that dead zone. And Sean kind of mentioned it. And Todd, I think you might have referenced it a little bit at times in a roundabout way. Is this dead round? I have taken my running backs. I've taken my wide receivers and all of a sudden I'm in this dead zone of players I don't really value and where they're going. Yep. And that's usually in the 11th to 13th round for me where I don't really want to take any other players. I, you know, there's players I want to take a little bit later, but I don't need, I don't feel forced to take them. I want to see if any QBs have fallen. And to me, Todd just said that he had Brady fall to him in the 11th. I'm in a draft today with DFF. Brady and Stafford were available to me at, at, in the 1204 or 1205 slot. Ooh. That's juicy. That's, there was actually quite a few. Fantastic. And Wentz was there. There was a lot of players there. You could throw some mustard on that and eat that up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm talking about. Like, okay, those aren't even late round quarterbacks, but I, I can get them late because everyone, depending on how your draft goes and how you feel for the room, 
But if I don't have one of those top QBs fall to me, like a Wentz, Rodgers, Breeze, or Brady, my true late-round QBs that I want are Cam Newton and Joe Burrow. Both of them have a little bit of untapped potential or rushing upside. Cam Newton, every season he's played at least 14 games, he's been a top 12 QB or better. And then Joe Burrow, he's, he's an unknown for me. I'm not saying he's going to be Patrick Mahomes, but he was one of the greatest passers in college history last year. There's some unknowns to him that's sexy to me. And if they don't hit, they don't hit. I have all that streaming that, we, that we've talked about in the past. I want to give you a little story to like who I was looking at in the 11th round when I picked Brady. Where Brady was at the 11th pick, who's the top two guys on my queue, were actually Keyshawn Vaughn and Chase Edmonds. I'm looking at it and I was like, you know, one of these guys is going to make it back to me probably and we'll see what happens. I've drafted Brady and they both made it back to me. Crap, now I got to pick between these two. I picked with Keyshawn Vaughn because I have Chase Edmonds everywhere and I also thought I'm like, well, Chase Edmonds is going to make it back to me too. You don't have him everywhere apparently, Todd. Well... <laughs> He was one pick away from me getting Vaughn and Chase Edmonds. Yeah, so I don't have him everywhere. And Crescent from the Monocle podcast decided to take Chase Edmonds one pick before me and just crush my dreams and send me into an into an absolute tirade. <laughs> then he decided to send that message to Dave that he tweeted out to the world. And uh, I appreciate that, Dave. It was awesome. And he goes, Todd was really upset that I took Chase Edmonds. And then he goes, how do you know I was going to take him? As if he thought that I was like feeding him information or something. And he goes, I listened to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a true story. So I was being sarcastic. I knew he listened to the podcast. I was like, how would you know? And then, but I was, I was really upset. <laughs> so, so first off, I've never cared about ADP and redraft in my life. So if a guy had like a seventh round ADP, I might not take him in the second, but it's not like anything I've ever really tuned into exactly to where guys are landing, you know, around here or there is not that big of a deal to me. So Stafford was probably my top pick, but I'm also like really big on Jared Goff uh, bouncing back a bit this year. Big Ben is another guy that I'm, I'm pretty big on. And those are guys that are both available extremely late. Carson Wentz is definitely another QB. We're going on around like QB 11, according to fan- Fantasy Pro's ADP. And he finished the QB 10 with no wide receivers last year. But I really think the sweet spot for me where I'm targeting my QBs and see whoever falls the furthest is out of those OGs. And that's Rodgers, Breeze, and Brady. If any of them sort of pass like the ninth round. And I don't think that's crazy in a one QB format. I don't have one target as it's insanely deep. That's my whole point. I just rattled off about eight guys right there that are all going to be available after the ninth round. If I go super late on my QB, I also might consider rostering two, depending on how good I feel about my roster construction. And then obviously I'm going to drop them within a few weeks. Do you guys want to play a game? Yes. All right. This game is, who do you rank higher? Who do you think will have a better finish at the end of the season? I'm in. All right. The first one is Deshaun Watson... Or Dak Prescott? Dak over uh, Watson. Dak. Yeah, okay. So Dak currently is going behind Watson in ADP. What about... In the drafts I've been in, that has not happened. I've seen it both ways. All right, what about Matt Ryan versus Josh Allen? Matt Ryan. David? Matt Ryan, just because I think Matt Ryan has a floor and Josh Allen does not. He is a being the tight end one for the Buffalo Bills next year as a floor. <laughs> but David, he has rushing upside. 
But David, he has a cannon for an arm. Good for him. He can overthrow Stefan Diggs by 10 yards all year. (laughs) (laughs) So Josh Allen is currently going higher than Matt Ryan. Because people are crazy. Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? I'll go Brady. Brady. So Aaron Rodgers is going ahead of Tom Brady. To prove the point that we've been saying, right? Don't just go blindly by the ADP. So stay fluid. Don't trust just the raw numbers. Don't If you're on Yahoo or ESPN or Sleeper or whatever you're drafting through, don't just go with Rodgers because he's the top QB in the queue that they generate for you. Yep. Look for yourself. Make your own decisions. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't really think ADP matters when it comes to QB when a one QB redraft league. So who is the QB honeypot this year? Which QB is your phantom menace that lures you with false promise? And has kept you waiting and has some flashy new tools at his disposal. David. <laughs> so I actually, it took me a little while to parse this question out. I, I put in two parts of who's my QB honeypot and then who's the Phantom Menace. A honeypot is bad, Dave. It is? Winnie the Pooh loves honey. And he gets stuck in them. Stuck in it. It's a trap, David. He always Boo. gets out. He always gets out. Boo. Wow. It always ends happy. Christopher Robin saves the day or his buddies save the day. So I don't know. But ever, he I needs always... to be saved. That in itself is very sad. The point is not to fall into the honeypot to begin with, David. The honeypot tastes good. Avoid the honeypot. That's what that's how it lures you in. It lures you in with its good taste. So I I guess I just misunderstood. It's the essentially question. the same question asked twice, by the way. Yeah, why didn't the Phantom <laughs> Menace part tip you off to the fact that honeypot is bad? Because Darth Maul to me is bad and Winnie the Pooh and honey is good. Oh no. You know what you just said to me, Dave? You just said you're a closeted Jar Jar Banks fan. No. That you no. think the Phantom Menace is good. <laughs> no, I do that not. use a bomb bad Star Wars fan. <laughs> I just need everyone to give everybody new material because everyone had stopped giving me crap for the Ninja Turtles take. So I had to give them uh, something with this honeypot take here. <laughs> but my Phantom Menace, and I think the real, what this question actually meant was, who do I think is tempting and is a bad idea? It's Aaron Rodgers. I start saying to myself, well, everyone is acting like Aaron Rodgers died. He's no longer a top QB. He was a QB 11 last year, missing Adams for half the year and nobody else. He had an incompetent coach in LaFleur. Not a good situation for Rodgers, but he still finishes QB 11. People act like he was in QB 20 last year. But then I start to think, oh, well, maybe I can talk myself into, into Rodgers. And then I say, oh, wait a second. He has LaFleur still as coach. They invested a QB in the first round, the draft, and they drafted AJ in the second round. So then I'm like, oh, I don't want any of that in my life. I don't need that Green Bay. Whatever's happening in Green Bay, I don't want it in my fantasy life, except for Devontae Adams. And then also, I am on record as being a huge Matt Stafford fan. But I actually think he has a little fan of menace in him because he is attractive. He was so good last year. And when we've been talking about him, we've been hyping up all season. I actually drafted the SFBX. The thing with Matt Stafford is he was a great value back in February and March. Now, it's hard to listen to a podcast and not listen to someone hype up Matt Stafford. They're not all visionaries like we are, guys, on A Tale of Two Rivals. They can't be ahead of the curve and get on the Matt Stafford bandwagon. <laughs> People have caught up to us finally, and that ADP, it's like Sean said, it's a little bit higher than I want it to be. Why I think he might be a trap, he had a high TD rate last year. He had 6.5% TD rate. Maybe his TDs come down a little bit, and he's not the, quite the explosive you know, top three QB that we all think he is, and he fits maybe his low-end QB one instead of that top six QB that we're hoping he's going to be. Well done. First of all, the fact that Matt LaFleur is attached to a quarterback means you're not going to draft him, first of all. Yeah, that's, so that's like, what I'm talking about. You're like You could have just stopped there. Like You hate Matt LaFleur. Yeah, so um, Aaron Rodgers has been a QB1 
every year since 2012, except for the one year he got hurt. I think Aaron Rodgers is a fantastic QB to target late because of the narrative everybody's pushing. I don't really buy the ADP. I think he's much, much, much lower than QB9. Exactly. So that's what I mean. When I like him, if he falls to me, I'm happy. But I don't want to reach for him at his supposed ADP. Not not even close. Not even close. He could definitely be the 12th QB off your board. Literally, you're getting him where he's consistently finished at least above that every year of his career. So for me, my honeypot is Kyler Murray. But I love his game. I just hate his ADP for redraft. If you look at it, he's currently pretty much at the same pick as Russell Wilson. And that's absolutely ridiculous to me. Murray's upside does not equal Wilson's consistent dominance at that position when it comes to a redraft. I do love his upside. I do love his weapons. I do love Murray's rushing upside. But he's not locked into a top five QB for me. And that's what his ADP is speaking to. You have to use a mid-round pick on a guy in a redraft that you're buying on their potential when it's such a deep draft with guys that you're proven that are probably Sean Kane is to be finishing with 20 or 30 points less that are seven and eight picks later than him. I'll definitely pass on Kyler Murray and I'll add another potential RB2 or a high end wide three or a low end wide two and let somebody else overpay for a guy who's just on an unbelievable hype machine right now. I do buy in to Murray in Dynasty, though I am lower than the consensus on it. My honeypot and Phantom Menace because it meant the same thing, Dave. Is Kyler Murray. Yeah, I too only have one answer because I graduated from eighth grade and have a proper understanding of the question. It's Aaron Rodgers. And I know you guys both already brought up some points as to why he should be and why he shouldn't be. But for me, it's him by a mile. I think there's a lot of other quarterbacks that it's a lot easier to be in on at their ADP. And just going with his current ADP, you know, it's right around Matt Ryan if you're looking for another quarterback in that range. But if you're not, if you're looking to, you know, play back, get a quarterback later, you're talking about being able to get. Tyler Boyd, Kareem Hunt, the Browns undisputed wide receiver one, Jarvis Landry, and get Hollywood Brown. There's just so many other quality options that are going right in that same range as Rodgers. And what we know about Rodgers is he has Devontae Adams to throw to, who hasn't finished a season in the last four years, and flashy Alan Lazard, which just seems to ring the bell that Marquez Valdez Scanting was ringing last year. There's the theory of the Jay Sternberger breakout tight end year. It's just, it's a lot of speculation for a guy who doesn't have any weapons. And thanks to Olivia Munn, now we know he's bad at sex. This isn't a guy I'm willing to bet on. (laughs) That interview was vicious. (laughs) I need to watch that. I've not seen it. Everybody should be watching everything with Olivia Munn to begin with. Another great friend of the show. Hey, Olivia. Oh, my goodness. She is fantastic in newsroom. But yeah, for me, he's he's the honeypot. He's the Phantom Menace. He's the Fast and the Furious series. He's just he's the thing you should want no part of because the risk is certainly not worth the reward. And I think even if Todd said QB1 every year, but that QB1 has a lot of variability to it. And it's been several years since that QB1 meant, you know, top four, top six, however you want to grade that. And I just, I'm not willing to invest that kind of capital and look off a potentially a better option at QB and guys like Ryan and Stafford, maybe Brady, Wentz are kind of all in that same group there, but certainly not what it's going to cost you at wide receiver or running back. So for me, that's it. And I think in every single draft, you're going to see somebody bite and you're going to just be flabbergasted by it. And you're going to thank your stars and garters that it wasn't you. Would you take him at like round 11? If he's at round 11 and Brady and 
once Ryan Stafford, all those guys are gone? Probably. Yeah, and I and that's the part I'm saying is I think I don't. But, like, it, but if all of them slid to eleven, no. I agree with that too. I I don't think if like I take Stafford over him, I would take Brady over him. I would definitely take Matt Ryan over all of them. I would take Wentz over him. But my point is, is that I feel like most other people believe that too. Before I continue, I just want to give a tip of the hat to uh, our lovely plus one Sean Kennedy, who uh, did an excellent job of their show sheet this week. Hey. I thought it was extremely well done. And um, a lot of the things I've been reading have been written by Sean. This one that I got up to, when I read it, I go, this feels like stealing material because this is so not me that I'm going to try to do this part as Sean. <clears throat> Let me get in the character, gentlemen. So translation for the audience, Todd's basically saying he's not articulate and not a well-spoken person. So that's what he's going to try to do right here. That's a good disclaimer, Dave. Thank you. Dave, there's no reason to do the disclaimer. People listen to the show and they already know that. <laughs> All right. You're in full Dr. Strangelove mode. Fighting in the war room. Henry Kissinger, Kibwak. Putin's drunk. Everything's going in wrong mode. What's the highest QB at their current ADP you're willing to consider? Taught. Well, Sean. Uh, Matt Ryan, of course. <laughs> I mean, if you've listened to the show since Dave and I have started, I have been a Matt Ryan fan since day one, and it continues. It's the offense that's going to throw the most. He has one of the three best receivers in the league, one of the top 20 receivers after that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's Matt Ryan all day. And Drew Brees would be the answer I want to believe after everything I said. People kind of forgot about him. I want to say Drew Brees would be that, but. Russell Wilson at around pick 50, because I've had a relationship with that man in previous redrafts where he was just this unbelievably successful late QB for me, that'd be something I would consider, but I would eventually pass on it because I just couldn't put the capital into it. But I would definitely be remembering that I passed on him. So that would be a strong consideration. So if anyone's in our home redraft league that's drafting very soon, you could probably be goading me about Wilson and in our draft it could continue to work all right it seems worth noting that you know Todd needs to hit the commas a lot harder and not the middle of sentences in the Sean Kennedy <laughs> dialect a comma is a period it's all pauses I'm trying so my problem with the impression was I was really focusing on your voice and it really messed with my cadence I can't I can't get your voice down I've tried it for your cousin multiple times he says it's it's getting there I mean, again, and this is like worst case scenario, everything is going wrong. All these tear breaks that I was kind of talking about before are just not falling in your favor. The highest I think I'd be willing to go would be Josh Allen. And it's Dave's favorite, and Dave's already been lauding him throughout this podcast. I know he's a big fan of what the Buffalo Bills tight end one has to offer this year at QB. <laughs> but I think that's the highest I'm willing to go, where if he's in you know, that sixth, seventh round, that's been enough space at the beginning of the draft where I feel comfortable about what I've hopefully done with my running backs, with my wide receivers. You know, I'm sitting there with, I went first two rounds running back. I took a receiver in the third, like Kenny Galladay. I took another running back in the fourth, and then I hit two more receivers on the way back around. And then I got Josh Allen. To me, that's, that's the highest. That's it. And I'm not willing to touch a QB unless I have some kind of foundation for the rest of my team. David? In fairness, I've been hard on Josh Allen. This episode, I want to say something positive. He is better than Taysom Hill, Todd's QB1. So 
I will give him some credit. <laughs> so Todd is bad, is what we're discerning from this. It's just a great circular argument to come back to. And as I continue here, basically Sean, or Todd's impersonation of Sean, painted a picture that the world is ending, essentially. And that's why I have to take a QB. And instead, I probably would just say, okay, I'm going to let the world end, grab a handle of gin, and watch the world burn. So instead of taking QB early. So I'm not going to play into this, but I guess for the sake of the episode, and however, I will say that in the the mock I was talking about with DFF, I was actually in a situation where the middle middle draft kind of got worst case scenario for me, actually early middle in rounds three through six. So Deshaun Watson was slipping. And AJ Green went off the, the board at the 5-6 turn, and I was left with my choice of Devontae Parker, Edelman, Boyd, Landry, or Watson. And I was really tempted to take Deshaun Watson in the sixth round there because I felt like that was a good value. I disagree with Sean, and we've had this disagreement on multiple episodes now. I like Watson's weapons. I think he's that good of a quarterback that these weapons are good enough for him to still be the elite top three quarterback that he can be. And so that's where I could see myself taking his, uh, Deshaun Watson. I actually think I regret taking Devontae Parker over him in this draft. You should. Preston Williams will be the wide receiver one in Miami. Todd knows it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just coming around on that, honestly. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so when you were talking about like passing on Watson there, I feel like that's like pretty much Watson or Dak or Wilson. Like any of those guys at that spot, that's going to be tempting for me. Gentlemen, I, I feel like I feel like we this was a solid one. I feel like I feel like it went well. Do you guys feel good about the episode? Do you guys feeling good? I feel great. I love the QB yeah. talk. I loved the news talk, uh, and it was good just hanging out with you guys again. It was fun. How was my Sean impression, Dave? It didn't come natural. I could tell you were trying to be cool and smooth. <laughs> that being said, I'm none of those things. That I'm being none of said, those Todd, things. it was a decent attempt. So hats off. You probably did Thank better you. than I could do. Thank you. Thank you. I give it a shot. Sean, were you like violently offended? Did you appreciate it? Like, how was the how was the impression? Buddy? It sounded like you were just trying to twine together Keanu Reeves and Christopher Walken, which is just a huge compliment to me across the board. So I loved it. I'll take it all day. I would hey, appreciate man, it if that's only how you would address me from now on. If you could just parrot <laughs> me back to me, that would really satisfy the sociopathic edge to my personality. I will absolutely try to do that for you. Ooh, well he doesn't have an edge. Right. He likes condiments. He's not a sociopath. <laughs> All right, Dave. You know what? <laughs> I won't stand for this condiment talk anymore. Save it for the outtakes. Okay, fine. Uh, fine, fine. Kennedy, have you been on Twitter at all? Uh, yeah, Dave got me on there the other day for something, but I don't remember what it was. Can they find you there? You can try, certainly. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's at FF underscore walrus. I am in quarantine now for the next... Three to five and a half weeks. So and it's exciting. Why, Sean? I need Why, my something friend? to do. So why are you in your quarantine, dude? Uh, the wife is about to to pop. She has a situation right now. Um, she's going to give birth <laughs> to our first child. I've loved. Yay. I've loved referring to it as a situation. It's been fantastic. It makes everybody so uncomfortable when I say it. I like to think it's what people in the fifties would say when they lied about their daughter going away to their aunts. For the <laughs> And they just hit her in the basement. But that's dark. <laughs> well, yeah, it's been it's been exciting. It's been stressful, and it's it's about uh, to be here. So we're officially in lockdown. All right. I, I look forward to your once a week tweet, bro. <laughs> I might commit to twice a week, but one won't be related to football. Slow you down. The other Slow one will just be down. for Sh- Shia LaBeouf. 
Ooh, I like it. Take take a breath though. Don't 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 overextend yourself. And Ron Rivera. Don't forget they hang out. <laughs> Dave, where can they find you? You're pretty active. <laughs> you can find me at FF underscore spaceman on Twitter. I'm a writer for DynastyHappyHour.com, and I'm working on a couple of things I'm really excited about, so stay tuned for that. Hopefully that'll be out soon. Guys, besides that, just I'm already re- looking forward to talking to you guys next week, so can't wait. All right, so I am at FF underscore Banterman on Twitter. I write for the Dynasty Football Digest. Just put out some, they're short, but you know, the NFC East and the NFC North previews. They're only about 3,000 words each. It's a tiered preview, so it talks about guys with top 12, top 24, and top 36 potential. So give that a peep. You might be able to pick up on something that maybe you haven't considered before. I'm definitely going to be coming back with more Devi content soon. I will be dropping a solo episode on Devi on our RS feed very soon. And uh, yeah, so definitely feel free to hit me up. And another thing on Twitter you can hit me up about is I am over the moon about NBA basketball being back. Absolutely feel free to banter me about basketball. Gentlemen. Todd. The yes. Celtics lost, buddy. No. They didn't. I have final? no idea. I'm not, I'm not even <laughs> <laughs> that was That was perfection. <laughs> I actually was trying to avoid the score, and then it popped up right from my face <laughs> on my phone. I've got to turn off my notifications. Oh. They won by eight, dick. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Till next time. All right, Dave, listen. A condiment is, as Webster's defines, something used to enhance the flavor of food. So let me ask you this. How do you eat corn on the cob? With butter. Oh, wow. So that's a condiment. If you're at a restaurant or some kind of food type establishment and somebody brings you over a Caesar salad and they offer you fresh cracked pepper, what do you say? Okay. All right. First off, first. I will not. I will not submit to these realities first off my point is <laughs> is that i if, if you I won't submit choice, to reality was that no, really no, what you just said to this false you won't to this false reality that you're presenting let's say i offered you a baked potato at a dinner what are you gonna I do i would say why the why the hell isn't this mashed so i would say <laughs> You're you're a terrible dinner guest, by the way. Dave, what do you put in a mashed potato? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's prepared that way, Sean. It's the difference between adding ingredients and a condiment. Whoa, 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 You don't whoa, put whoa, anything no, no. on top it, of it, your it, mashed potatoes? You just eat... Yeah, that's actually a good point. You put nothing on a mashed potato? Not even salt or pepper? Whatever comes out from the... When the, the cook presents it to me, and I'm sitting at the table, I'm not adding salt or pepper to it. Oh. And you live, you live in the Italian capital of the Northeast. See, you're making this as, oh, I've caught you. I've caught you in some elaborate scheme. The I don't question know, Dave, was, It seems like I just presented you with six or seven condiments, and you said you're all about them. The question was, is it overrated? And I'm saying yes. Not if I use them or not. <laughs> so your entire line of questioning, objection, Your Honor. Objection, Your Honor. Todd, end the podcast. End the podcast. <laughs> Erroneous. Erroneous <laughs> in both accounts. <laughs> all right. I got to go, guys.
Enjoy it. Sounds like an emergency. Don't push too hard. Yeah. That's funny. I just said that to someone today, too. 